Hi, everybody. Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Lockdown Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson. He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On Blue Devils podcast. My name is J.J. Jackson. On today's show, we're going to talk about the decision that needs to be made by Trevor Keels. We'll talk about Jason Tatum leading the Boston Celtics to the NBA Finals and a little Duke football conversation with my buddy Josh Cox. If you haven't done so already, please follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils. You can follow me on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore to get all of your show updates. A big announcement to also make here on June 1st at the Locked On Podcast Network College channel. We're officially entering off-season mode. Much like last year, for the next several weeks, we'll be down to just three shows a week throughout the summertime. And then right before football season, jumps back up. We, of course, will be back to five days a week every weekday with you here on Lockdown Blue Devil. So just a forewarning, that's that there will be less Lockdown Blue Devil podcasts over the next few weeks as we enter off-season mode. Still plenty of news to discuss here on the program. Be sure to follow and subscribe. If you're watching us on YouTube, thanks for doing that. Like this video, share it with your friends, the whole nine. It means a lot when you do that. So let's bring in my buddy, Josh Cox. Josh, appreciate the time as always. Hope you had a good Memorial Day weekend, man. Yeah, absolutely. JJ did uh, put some threw some stuff down on the grill, man, and uh, and had a great time. So that's awesome. All right, so let's start with Trevor Keels, and uh, I'm just ready to end the conversation with Trevor Keels because we've been talking about him so much, and here we are, still no clear answer. We're recording this on Wednesday morning. It's the start of the day here on June 1st. We know that Trevor Keels has a workout today with the Charlotte Hornets. If that doesn't tell you all you need to know, I don't know what else will. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to follow this on Twitter. I've actually got a a search saved with his name on it and all those types of things. And I actually saw somebody earlier uh, this morning um, say, what makes the Duke fan base think that he's going to come back, right? At the end of the day, I think in our heads, we really want to believe that. But Trevor, personally, has not done anything to make us think that he's coming back. He has worked out just like he would if he were, uh, you know, 100% going into the pros. Uh, like you said, even today, uh, working out with the Charlotte Hornets here on the final day that he can make his decision. And, and certainly, he may be trying to get as much feedback as possible right up until the deadline. Um, but I, I personally believe as Duke fans, we just need to prepare ourselves um, for a, yet another one of our players, talented, good players, uh, being a one and done. And so that's where we're at. Uh, like I said, I, I just think we have to come to grips with that reality. So yesterday we saw the head coach of the Duke Blue Devils make two media appearances, one on Packer and Durham with the ACC Network, and then another uh, with uh, John Rothstein on the College Hoops Today podcast. And in both episodes, both interviews, Shire said that he's in constant communication with Trevor Keels, but he was not going to break any news for either of those outlets as to the decision that Trevor would make and very much so left it up in the air. Trevor Keels remaining on the quiet side in a Q&A last night on Instagram. Mark Mitchell posted an answer that he doesn't know uh, if Trevor Keels is coming back or not. So it's still very much in the air. Uh, a lot of people are asking everybody except Trevor himself 
And it's almost one of those things where maybe Trevor just doesn't say anything by midnight tonight, and that's our answer in itself. Yeah, and, and actually, uh, you know, I'm just putting myself in the shoes. Uh, to me, that's that's the move. If you're going to stay in the draft, don't make it a big uh, announcement. You know, just you've already announced. You've already said you're going pro. You've already got the graphics made by the by the Duke team. You've already had your Coach K uh, statement made. All those types of things. And yeah, I mean, just continue on as you would. You know, going that you knew all along you were going to stay. Uh, you know, in the draft, I, I'm I'm okay with that. I don't think he owes us any sort of clarification there. Uh, to be honest with you. And, I mean, look, these NBA workouts, like we're saying, why else would you continue to go through this process if the next level is not the ultimate goal? Uh, Duke, again, has five guys that are going to go through the draft. If Trevor Keel stays in, we're now rooting for Trevor to be a first-round selection for Duke to tie Kentucky in 2010 for the first, uh, for the most first-round selections that there are. Really good reporting by Brendan Marks last week of The Athletic about some of the testing numbers for Trevor Keels. A lot of flaws, you could call them, with uh, being the heaviest shooting guard that was listed, the third worst vertical leap, the fourth worst shuttle timing, just not great testing numbers for Trevor. But when you turn on tape, we know this guy can score the basketball. And if he's got it made up in his mind that he's ready to start this professional journey, who are we as Duke fans to tell the guy what to do? Great memories, helped Duke go to the Final Four this season, and uh, I think everything's going to turn out okay. Yeah, I mean, Duke fans, really, we're spoiled rotten. And, and you know, to think that, like, grown men, right, who would have jumped at the, at the chance to make a million dollars at 19 years old, every single one of us would, and we're going to somehow criticize or get our feelings hurt about some kid you know, taking that next step for himself. We, as a fan base, uh, we need to be 100% behind these kids and, um, and, and be supportive. And like you said, Trevor gave us a season. He gave us a year and, and really contributed. And so, you know, at the end of the day, we just have to be prepared uh, and, and ready for things like this. When you're competing at the highest level, you're getting the highest level talent. And, yeah, I mean, granted, we may, we may think – that he could use another year. But, I mean, look, there are Duke fans. There's a logical Duke fans out there that think everyone and done, you know, needs to stay another year. Um, so, you know, at the end of the day, once again, if there were no Gary Trents, if there were no Gary Trent Juniors, if there were no Seth Currys, whatever the case may be, if there were no none of those stories, then I kind of get it. But there are those stories. And there are those guys that have worked their way up and and and, and kind of um, – and probably Seth is not the best one there. It's, it's probably more Gary Trent Jr., uh, of a guy who you know who went later on and who has worked himself into a you know a really good uh, role for sure. Let me give you one. The first round is guaranteed money. That's where you want to be. Right. You want to be one of those first thirty picks. If you're not, you're in trouble. And last year, Duke had two guys and Matthew Hurt and DJ Stewart that left early and spent the whole season in the G League, not making the guaranteed money at the NBA level. How about this name for you though, Josh? A player that. Uh, NBA people loved because of his athleticism, a good shooter, went in the second round, but I'm talking about Frank Jackson, the man who yep. shared my last name after one season. He's now doing incredible things with the Detroit Pistons, starting for them. Uh, and, and again, he was a second round pick after one season at Duke and has proved to make a good career. Okay, so let's, if you don't mind, then let's dig into those. You have Gary, Gary Trent Jr. and Frank Jackson. Okay. You know, and then you have Matthew Hurt, and who was the other one? DJ oh, Stewart. Oh, DJ Stewart. DJ Stewart. Okay. I, in my opinion, you have two guys who were athletically 
unable to perform in the NBA in DJ Stewart and Matthew Hurt. They just were not athletic enough. Right. DJ Stewart's not big enough. He's not strong enough. He may be athletic enough, but he's not big enough and strong enough. Right. You have the other two guys in Frank Jackson and Gary Trent Jr. that are both big enough. They're both athletic enough. So the question with Trevor Kills, he's big enough. Is he athletic enough? And so that's where I think Trevor Kills is really – I mean, you know, I, I'm, I'm always rooting for our guys, but you're telling me to put money on a type of career he's going to have? I, I couldn't do it. I could not put money on the type of career he'll have because he is – he is truly a unique player because he's so strong and so big and physical, yet he does lack some of those that 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 explosiveness, you know, that you can see out of guys, especially I mean, underrated explosiveness in a guy like Frank Jackson for sure. So going into uh, lunchtime here on June first of twenty twenty two, we do not officially know the decision of Trevor Keels, but again, he is in Buzz City. Uh, I'm a big Hornets fan myself, so the idea of having him there with the Hornets would be uh, really exciting. I was on Locked on Hornets last week talking about Mark Williams. Make sure you go check out my conversation with Walker and Doug and those guys at Locked on Hornets. But it does seem like just the writing on the wall may lead us to believe Trevor Keels is heading off to the NBA officially. Let's talk about Jason Tatum. Speaking of the NBA, you play to get it to the finals. Tatum is going there with the Boston Celtics. That's next here on Locked On Blue Devils. Today's edition of Locked On Blue Devils here on June 1st is brought to you by our friends at Rock Auto. Rock Auto is absolutely amazing. It's a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Their prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything that you could need from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Why choose to spend 30%, 50%, or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? For example, the Honda Odyssey fuel pump is $353 from a chain store, while it's $216 from Rock Auto. That's your answer right there. Go explore their easy-to-use website today and find the solution for your auto parts needs. RockAuto.com, right? Locked on Blue Devils. And they're how did you hear about us, Fox, so they know that we sent you Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. Back today on Locked On Blue Devils here on Wednesday, June 1st. J.J. Jackson alongside Josh Cox from Duke Football Talks Section 17 podcast. We have absolutely loved talking about the NBA uh, throughout the playoffs, and now we're getting set for the finals to get started tomorrow between the Golden State Warriors and the Boston Celtics. The MVP of the Eastern Conference Finals, the Larry Bird Trophy, first ever time the league has given out that award in its 75th season, goes to Jason Tatum. Our Duke star at 24 years old led Boston to the Eastern Conference Finals, and now they're heading into the NBA Finals. And what an incredible Game 7 that was. Um, Yeah, how how cool was it to see Jason Tatum? I mean, well-deserved. Um, there is no longer a question in Boston of who the alpha uh, is on that team. Uh, this is Jason Tatum's team. Um, he he has performed at a high level all season. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I've become a fan of that team uh, for sure. The defense that they play, they're the number two uh, regular season, I believe the number two overall uh, rated defensive team. Um, and And he is a big part of that. And I will say this, when he was playing in Durham for his season at Duke, um, 
I don't think any Duke fan would have said, man, Jason Tatum's going to wind up being an elite defender uh, in the NBA. And I'm not knocking him in any way, but they didn't ask him to defend at Duke, uh, to be honest with you. They wanted to put the ball in the basket, and that was it. And I would say I know he works with Drew Hamlin, and that's a big uh, deal to him. Uh, Drew is an offensive guy for sure, uh, first and foremost. But, man, he's worked, somebody's worked with him. I don't know if it's Drew Hamlin or whoever it is. Somebody's worked with him on, his de- on the defensive side of the ball as well. And then to see him morph into this playmaker, this unselfish, not not uh, it's not uncommon to see him pass up a good shot to get somebody else a great shot. And um, I couldn't be happier for Jason Tatum. He is, as we said, uh, I did a podcast on this last week, and we've talked about Tatum a lot, but officially he was named to the All-NBA First Team. The only other player to do that at Duke was Grant Hill, Back in 1997, Elton Brand, Kyrie Irving have been some names of former Blue Devils to make all NBA teams on the second and third team slots. But Duke basketball had one of the best five players in the league this year. And Tatum now going into the NBA finals with the chance to win, to win a ring for Boston, one of the most historic franchises in the entire sport. I mean, it's just been so cool to watch him sort of grow up ever since he left Duke to now he really is a face, a superstar in the league. Absolutely. And we, we've known, I mean, Duke fans knew from the time he arrived on campus that there, he was special. Um, and he had just a, a calmness about him and a maturity about him uh, when he was at Duke as well that we've seen carry over into the pros. But I, I think it's really neat to see that him and J, that he and Jalen Brown, they obviously have heard the talk and the chatter of the last you know three or four years of – do these guys really need to play together? Should they split that duo up and spend money elsewhere? And, you know, both of those guys have handled it so well and so maturely. Uh, I think it's just really great to see it all come together and see them with this team and this core that's been together for so long uh, finally get to these to the uh, win the Eastern Conference Finals and get to the NBA Finals. And like you said, I mean, Jason Tatum is is a major, major component to that. And so now they're getting set to play the NBA Finals against the Golden State Warriors. Golden State has won uh, three championships under the leadership of Steve Kerr and behind their big three of Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, and Draymond Green. Since May 14, 2014, the day that Steve Kerr was named head coach of the Golden State Warriors, there is only one team in the entire NBA that has a winning record against the Warriors, and that's the Boston Celtics. I mean... Uh, right now in Vegas, our friends at Bet Online we're seeing that the Warriors are the betting favorites to get the job done and win the NBA championship. But Josh, tell me a little bit about this matchup and what excites you. Well, I mean, I would typically say that when you're looking at stats over over years in the NBA about how a team fares against another team over years, typically I'd say, man, those stats don't matter because the NBA your roster flips over, you know, so often that what, what happened in 2017, 2018, you know, does not matter. Well, these are two teams that both of the core, uh, you know, obviously Boston had those, had the crazy Kyrie Gordon Hayward year and stuff where they tried that mess. But as far as like uh, Marcus Smart, uh, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Al Horford even, um, there's, a, there's a core there. And then obviously you've already mentioned Golden State. Their core is stuck together. So I do believe it, it It means something. Now, I don't know how much it means. I've tried to go over my head about the, the lineups that Golden State will throw out there and how Boston's going to defend them. Um, 
And, you know, Golden State does not do a ton of ball screen. Um, and so, like, you know, usually you can hunt a matchup or hunt a player even um, in the NBA now. It's what everybody does, especially in the playoffs. Well, Golden State doesn't play that way. Yeah. They don't necessarily hunt those players. They just run their system. And it's going to be different. I mean, you think about who Boston has gone through. They've gone through your traditional basketball. Brooklyn, you had the, the big dog and Kevin Durant, right? And you had Kyrie some. Uh, you had Giannis in the second round, big dog. You had Jimmy Butler, kind of that traditional. And they all run screens. They all hunt matchups. And they all hunt, hunt players. Well, Golden State's going to be different. And there's a lot of off-the-ball movement. There's a lot of things that we're going to see. Uh, ironically, uh, these two teams were the number one and number two rated defensive efficiency teams in the regular season. Uh, quick note, if there are any NBA haters out there, because I know some college basketball fans yeah. are NBA haters, and here's what I often hear from them. No one plays defense in the NBA. And let me I just say this. Nothing could be further from the truth. You don't watch the game of basketball properly if you don't think there's defense in the NBA. And here's what, here's what I'll say. The final eight teams in the NBA playoffs, the final four from the Eastern Conference, the final four from the Western Conference, six out of those eight were in the were the top six defenses um, in, in the NBA for the season. So six go. out of those eight, they were your top six. And I think uh, Milwaukee – um, was the low and then Philly. Philly and Milwaukee were the only two that weren't, and they were 12th and 14th, so not terrible defensively. Uh, but but you have – it goes Golden State, Boston, Phoenix, Memphis, Miami, Dallas. There's your six right there. And, um, and, and sure enough, they go the furthest in the playoffs. And so it's going to be an interesting matchup. I cannot wait to see uh, not only how does Boston match up and defend Golden State, but then vice versa. Um, how does Golden State match up with Boston? I mean, Jason Tatum is is a long – he's a long player. Jalen Brown is very athletic and long. And we know this, Golden State loves going small. And Al Horford, he can move. Uh, Al Horford can stay in the game uh, even in those small lineups. So, man, what a, what a heck of a finals is going to no be. Kidding. I can't wait. We're going to be following along. We'll have updates. Josh will be back on the podcast with me at some point next week. And we'll, it, the series won't be over quite yet. And we'll see kind of where we're at and how Jason Tatum is doing. All right, let's take one final break here on the podcast. When we come back, I want to discuss the Boston, or excuse me, the Duke football schedule. They've got a couple of kickoff times that are announced. I'm with the host of the Section 17 podcast. Might as well dive into a little Duke football talk here on this Wednesday. Our show today is brought to you by our partners at Bet Online, who continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports information. Find all of the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's NBA Finals, Major League Baseball scores, fights, and even next season's NFL futures. Bet Online is your continued source for all the sporting wagering information that you might need from live betting, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. Final few moments here today of Locked On Blue Devils. JJ Jackson alongside my buddy Josh Cox of the Duke Football Talk Section 17 podcast. All right, it's June. We're starting the offseason mode here with Locked On Blue Devils. I want you first to kind of give a quick plug for your podcast, Josh, what you guys do over there. Yeah, uh, Section 17 podcast. Uh, this is our third season. Um, we've grown every year, and so we're uh, we're looking forward to football season officially kicking off. Uh, we're big Mike Elko. Not sure if you've ever heard of him. Uh, big Mike Elko fans, and um, looking forward to seeing what this squad will do in his first season. 
Uh, but yeah, we bring you weekly podcasts throughout the football season, uh, beginning pretty much in August and running all the way through to January, depending on how well the season goes. Um, and then during the off season, we, we sporadically give you, we try to make the off season podcast something substantial. So we've interviewed coach Elko. We've spoken about all of spring practice in the spring game. Uh, we, a little teaser. We have, uh, if you thought Mike Elko was a big guest to land on a, on a fo- Duke football podcast, we have actually gone past that. The, the next interview, uh, I would say, holds more clout than Mike Elko. And so uh, well that, that's the teaser. But you can find us on Twitter at DukeFBTalk. And then on Facebook, we have a group. You can just search Duke Football Talk. And so we love to kind of dig deep a little bit and, uh, and talk Duke football. Elko was impressive enough, so I can't wait to listen to that next episode of, of Section 17 to know who you guys have. So, uh, all right, we talked about it last week on the show that the, they've announced some kickoff times for the start of the year, and then Duke's uh, game against Boston College at Boston College will be a Friday night game, so you know that it's going to be a nighttime kickoff. But uh, tell me about the first part of the season, Josh, maybe what stands out to you. Yeah, I mean, well, like every season with Duke football, the non-conference schedule is of supreme importance. Um, even last year's team, as you know, that that wound up going three and nine, they started the season three and one. Right. And uh, and so uh, we know we know how important the uh, the non-conference schedule is for Duke. And you know, obviously, Temple is a new opponent for us, um, and that will be. Um, yeah, I think we'll be okay, um, but I believe Temple just landed a grad uh, or a transfer uh, in at quarterback and some stuff like that went down with their program. I don't. We're going to do our Temple research uh, between now and the first week. Um, Northwestern's an odd one, right? I mean, sometimes it's like we beat Northwestern, and then they wound up they wind up like not losing the game the rest of the season, you know, and going to the Rose Bowl. And then other years, you know, we lose bad to Northwestern, and we're like one of their only two wins of the season. Like it's just really weird. Um, you never can tell with that team. And then uh, we go to Kansas and man, we all kind of made fun of Kansas last year. And then if you really watched them for like the last three or four weeks of the season, uh, they actually turned it on. And so, um, it's going to, Kansas is going to be interesting, but all that to say, um, those first four games, non-conference games are, are vastly important, uh, to Mike Elko getting this team off on the right foot. So we're starting the Mike Elko era and with those games being at home, a good majority of them. Uh, at Wallace Wade Stadium, seeing a lot of nighttime kickoffs early, Josh. What does that do for the environment, you think? Yeah, I think it helps. I think it definitely helps the student turnout, I believe. Um, you know, that's a that's a thing that Coach Elko is really uh, pushing, and I believe um, is going that he's going to see uh, a lot more students at games, at least at the beginning, you know. Uh, win, winning those football games helps them to continue coming back. Uh, but, yeah, the 7.30 start. Um, on that first game, that's a Friday night game too. That that uh, Temple kickoff game, um, and so that'll be a good, uh, just a good barometer. I believe we should see a lot of people in the stands uh, for that night, and then uh, the the third week, uh, the A and T week, is a six o'clock start. You're right. So uh, two night games. Um, it just allows people to get there, and you know, I like I either want a twelve o'clock game or a six or seven o'clock game, like. That middle like takes up your entire day, um, so I like I like the night games. They're a lot of fun. But here's the thing: Duke football fans have got to show up. Um, you know, we have obviously every Duke fan that I know on Twitter voiced their frustration about the David Cutcliffe era in the last season or two um, of how downhill we we seem to go. Right. Um, so I would say this: with the same energy that Duke fan Duke football fans brought with the negativity about the last two seasons, 
then let's flip that and let's bring that same energy um, for Coach Mike Elko and for Kevin Johns and for the rest of the coaching staff. And then most importantly, for these players. I mean, to think of these seniors, uh, guys like Jalen Calhoun and Daryl Harding Jr. and, and others, uh, Shaka Hayward, that have stuck it out. And they've stayed through the coaching transition when, hey, we all know it would have been very easy, especially in today's world, uh, just to transfer out. Um, they've stuck it out. And so, like, uh, Duke fans, especially local fans that can get here for games, I won't call you out, JJ, you're a little bit far away. But uh, local fans that can get to games, let's bring that same energy, man. I get it. We were negative, and it was justified. But, like, let's bring it now on the good side, right? Let's bring the positivity. And uh, it would be awesome to see that team come out in that Temple game and for Wallace Wade to, you know, be near capacity. That'd be really cool. Well, that Temple game is now 93 days away. Friday, September yep. 2nd, it's going to be a night game, 93 days and counting. Duke and Temple have only met once before in the 2018 Independence Bowl from Shreveport. Daniel Jones threw for over 400 yards and five touchdowns. Do you remember that game, Josh? I do. I do. Uh, those were back in the good old days. <laughs> <laughs> Duke is 1-0 all-time against Temple, so we'll take it. Hey, uh, you're exactly right. Uh, we take any – in the last few years, we'll take any win. And so 1-0 <laughs> against anybody is a great thing, for sure. Josh, I greatly appreciate your time, as always, joining me on the podcast. Looking forward to talking with you throughout the summer. Thanks for being here today, man. Thanks, JJ. Have a great day, man. All right. That's my buddy Josh Cox from Duke Football Talks Section 17 Podcast. Follow them on Twitter at DukeFBTalk. You could follow me on Twitter – at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore our show is at LO underscore Blue Devils. Please follow and subscribe our YouTube page. Follow us on the podcast platform. If you're listening on the Apple podcast, leave us a five-star rating and type out a review. It means the world when you take the time to do just that and do the same for the Section 17 podcast. Again, it's off-season mode three times a week here on Lockdown Blue Devils for the next few weeks. That's going to do it for today's show. As always, go Duke! My name is JJ Jackson. Thank you and good day.